0: This episode is brought to you by Griefline, Australia's national not for profit service that offers free non crisis support to anyone experiencing grief or facing any
1: type of loss. As well as their national helpline, Griefline has loads of incredible free support services, support forums, grief education and resources, and even corporate and volunteer training programs and workshops. If you
0: are struggling and need extra support or want to know how to support someone who is coping with loss, visit griefline.org.au. You're
1: listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humour. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. We are your hosts, Sal and Im, and we are back
0: with a much-requested guest interview that we are so excited to share. Sal, mate, before we get stuck into today's episode, um, just doing our weekly check-in, how are you? I am doing
1: okay. Um, I, oh my God, I didn't tell you actually, I got struck with like the biggest grief bomb. Um, the other day so do tell spill the beans spill the beans guys so I was at a friend's birthday and his mum was there and I think because I'm not from like Australia I'm not from this area like I don't like hang out with like friends and their families a lot because a lot of my friends are expats and, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, so I'm not like exposed to like families. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To parents. Uh, yeah. So I can like dodge the triggers. Um, mm-hmm. But his mum was there. Lovely lady, like really sweet. Um, and they honestly, like just like watching them together and her being like really caring with him and like oh, the dynamic. No. It, literally a grief bomb just exploded i was not prepared for it and i like we were finishing lunch and i said to Anne, i was like like we actually I'd just been to the toilet and I came out and I was like we need to go and he thought I'd like you know had an accident or something <laughs> <laughs> he There's was like change mm-hmm. yeah he was like I mean, like, I mean shit yourself what's going on and um, I was like we need to go and like That's so good so like we Not really good. like quickly like rushed out and um I just burst into tears as soon oh, as we got hell. out of the like the restaurant and I was so surprised that because I haven't had a grief bomb like for a while, like I say, for a while, like hello. But not it's... like an
0: intense catch you off guard one like that, like a big F yeah. off one. Yeah,
1: like I had a yeah, you know, and I think my last grief bomb was like a month or so ago when I had that mad sign story that I posted on Instagram. Um, but. Yeah this one re- like it was explosive and it caught me off guard and it was just like it wasn't you know it was just literally like a te- it wasn't even a tender moment that she was just being like a nice mum like and it was you know what it was just the pain i was like i feel oh. i wasn't envious i didn't like i wasn't like oh you've got your mum and i haven't it was just like the the longing and the pain for what the you reminder. don't have yes mm.
0: Did you just Harry Houdini it out of there or did you tell them like? No, we were like, right,
1: we've got to go because we'd like eating and stuff. So we've been oh, there okay. for about so an hour. I yeah. For <laughs> yeah, I didn't like, because what's I think like, you know, they, they call it like a an Irish exit, don't they? I think we need to coin a new term for that, like a griefy exit. Grief, or something. Well,
0: we've already got grief bomb because there's smoke bomb. Come yeah. on, you're the queen of coining these grief terms. What have we got?
1: <sighs>
0: Vanishing grief disappearing no i think we're gonna need some work on that one guys yeah
1: guys (laughs) if anyone has any ideas drop us a dm on instagram we need to get out of it yeah like a a grief smoke bomb or something but we can do better than that i feel yeah yeah so yeah so that was me Um, i was like what what the fuck like just i haven't had one of those for ages like i'm i'm literally almost three years into my loss they still happen guys so give yourself some grace oh sorry to hear this how are you doing
0: uh, I'm okay. No huge grief bombs. You know what? I'm actually proud to say that I'm having a strong grief, griefy patch. Yes, like, mate. And I feel like we, we you, you and I was super griefy for ages recently, but I feel like I've moved into one of those strong ones. Like I feel like I haven't been crying every day. I've been feeling relatively on top of my grief, running consistently, which really helps with my grief. Um, feeling pretty good. But still, obviously the grief is still there. Like, come on now, calm down. But um, (laughs) I'm not feeling overwhelmed by it at the moment
1: good I'm ask me really again tomorrow to but yeah you never know but that's great and I think I'm really proud of you for keeping up the running because it does help really helps doesn't it
0: yes so much so so much um so yeah sorry to hear about your grief bomb I'm feeling okay guys so I'm not gonna cry this intro I'm sorry but I've got <laughs> nothing in me at the moment to give you
1: oh shit um so who are we chatting to today Sal? Okay, so today we are joined by podcaster and all-round excellent human, Megan Judge. We actually went on Megan's podcast, which is called Judging Megan, as oh, guests quite a while ago. And we got on so bloody well, and we loved her so much that we knew we had to share her with you guys as well.
0: This is an incredibly raw conversation and so heartfelt and honest. And I think
1: you guys are going to love her as much as we do. You know, she's actually like, what what I really admire about Megan is she's dealt with a lot of trauma in her life, hasn't she? Mm, And she uses her experience with loss and trauma to help others through her podcast. So a bit like us really. So we had that connection, didn't we? But yeah, above all she's also a fan of humour as a coping tool and I think that's probably why we got on so bloody well because we had a lot of laughs didn't we? <laughs> we did. Um,
0: what I loved about Megan is she's a real open book and we cover a lot of incredibly personal elements in this chat that I think many of you will be able to relate to in some form and she shares her experience with trauma throughout her life and how it impacted her. Uh, she lost her two-year-old sister, she's been through the loss of her dad as a teen and also the death of her best friend, Julie, who died in her 20s, which had a huge impact on her. Um, We also talk about suppressing trauma and grief, which led Megan to find herself in a really dark place, eventually realizing that she needed to confront her trauma head on
1: she's very very um open honest and pretty vulnerable isn't she about Mm -hmm. her journey and i think we can all take uh, a lesson or two from 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 this amazing amazing lady so guys we hope you um enjoyed this conversation as much as we did megan it is so nice to have you with us today we connected on your podcast and we absolutely loved you we had
2: such a good chat didn't we so it's great to get you on ours I am so, I, first of all, I'm obsessed with both of you. I'm in your (laughs) fan club. So like, if you really start a fan club and you make t-shirts, I would like one, please. Uh, (laughs) I'm a big fan of both of you. And like I said, when you came on my show, I would, I really want your accents. So, um, I just, I might,
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we, we love your accent so we can do a little bit of a swap <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you um, are no stranger to trauma and grief Megan you've been through an awful lot in your life and your strength is incredible like us you started a podcast to share your experiences in the hope to help others and you throw a bit of humor in there too which we
0: absolutely love
2: well i like i think it's really Im- important um and i think we talked about this when you came on just to talk like everything can't be serious all the time and i think that like I, i'll talk about this but humor is like been my saving grace in my life and i think it's really important to um like make people i try to constantly make people laugh or laugh at myself or whatever it is just to get through you know dark times
0: Yeah, it really, really helps. And to start, Megan,
2: can you tell us a bit about your story? Sure. So I'm going to try, I'm going to attempt to make this like not a long-winded and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. (laughs) So, um, but I will say this. um, So I lost my sister um, very traumatically at the age of two. My mother found her... um, what she was, my mom was feeding me in my high chair and she went upstairs to get my sister Mora out of her crib and she had passed in her sleep. She was nine months. And so my mom came down, um, in complete shock and was, uh, obviously beside herself. My sister had a very rare liver disease, but it was just not expected that she would die like that. And, um, so that first experience with loss where i was left in a high chair for hours because my dad wasn't home and like the ambulance and the paramedics and everything they all came in it really started the cycle for me of um i've been diagnosed with complex ptsd um later in life just a few years ago and it really stemmed from that because Um, the human brain, obviously they say the first three years are the most imperative. And when it comes to development, so that was kind of the first thing that happened. And then um, I lost my dad who was very close to um, when I was 13 to leukemia. And then um, several years, my mom remarried a psycho alcoholic, horrible monster. And and then I kind of like escaped my house to be to be with my best friend. So I think it's fitting because you, you both are so close that you understand a friendship that I had with my best friend, Julie. I met her the very day, next day after I lost my dad. And oh, wow. I lost her when she was 20, when I was 29, she was 28. Um, and she went in to give birth to her Son, my godson, Logan, and the epidural wasn't connected. So the strep virus happened to be in the hospital and airborne. And because the tubes weren't connected, the strep virus got into her spinal column and they didn't catch it. They didn't give her medicine like Benadryl on time. And she ended up um, having seizures and becoming brain dead. So, um, it was just like, it was just really thing one thing after another, I feel like for me, I'm constantly in fear because I went through something pretty much every decade Mm. for, you know, it was like, you get over the grief, which we talked about when you came on, you're never really over it. Right. It's a lifelong Mm -hmm. process. Um, but just to like the constant thing where I'm kind of like constantly living in fear of like, when's the next thing going to happen? Yes. We know that the
0: hypervigilant state that you kind of live in. I think, I think people can often assume that if you were too young to necessarily remember the person, remember what happened, then the loss doesn't affect you as much, but that is absolutely not the case. Is it?
2: No, I mean, what I found, what I found was, and this is like me being in therapy for, you know, I went into therapy as a child at like around 10. Um, and then kind of after my dad passed again, and then I just like swore off therapy and I pushed Mm -hmm. everything down for really many, many years. And then something happened, which I can kind of go into later, but, um, I found that I couldn't run away from it anymore, if that makes sense. But but to answer your question, um, at age two, I, yes, I do not remember. I do, I I who would? But I had like this reoccurring dream every single year for years where I picked my sister up out of her crib and I walked down this hallway and I could picture the wallpaper, which is crazy to me that I could picture that and I flushed her down the toilet. So I would run into my parents' room traumatized. And so when you say I had guilt, a hundred percent, like there was, there's something that my brain somehow told me it was my fault.
0: I think that's really common when you're really young and you go through grief is to experience that guilt and feel like it's your fault because you can't really process what's happened. So I think your brain tries to, to make sense of it. And I think that's very, very common.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's true.
1: And tell us a little bit about Julie, we know that the the grief of losing your best friend is absolutely huge and quite often the grief of losing a friend, it really isn't acknowledged, it's something that can be called a disenfranchised grief where society kind of might underplay it or not acknowledge it as maybe if it was your spouse or your parent Can you tell us a little bit about your friendship with Julie? You mentioned that she kind of saved you during like a really difficult time after losing your dad. I'd love to know a little bit more about about your friendship and kind of, yeah, how she really helped you through that difficult time.
2: So, you know what, that that kind of makes me angry that there's like a label on... (laughs) on grief, you know, like who what's 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 relative to one person isn't to another, right? So mm-hmm. it's not the same as like, I'm sure you've encountered this, where people say, Oh, like you're you're like, oh, I just lost whoever, like say it was my dad. I just lost my dad. And then somebody goes, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I lost my grandmother last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that used to make me so mad as a kid when somebody would compare it. But I, like, now that I think about it, I don't know what the relationship was with the grandparent. And to be honest with you, my Julie was my very best friend, like a sister. Like Mm -hmm. she, when you say she came in and saved me, she came in and saved me. Um, my father passing was extremely, you know, it was expected because he died of leukemia and he was sick for nine months. And, you know, um, it was, but it was still awful. We had a very happy uh, household. My parents were madly in love, uh, you know, except for besides my little sister dying, we were a close knit family. And then for my dad, who was like an athlete and You know, a doctor, he was an orthodontist, like he just like he was hysterically funny. It was very hard to go through that. And so the very next day, and I like think this story is fitting for the both of you because we talked about how people come into your lives at the exact moments when you need them. And sometimes you think, well, this must be for you both, my mom sending me, you know, Sally or sending me M to kind of like rescue me in a way because I needed it. And so I believe my dad had something to do with Julie being sent to me because it was the very next day. My mom dropped me off at my country club. Um, I was walking around a circle, like this big giant circle, like where they, you know, they park the cars. And I was looking at the ground and I had just, I think finished swim practice. And this big giant Lincoln Continental like pulls up and the windows go down and it's in the front seat and he go, and it's Julie's dad Bruce and he goes are you Johnny Judge's little girl and I said yeah and he said this is Julie that's all he said he didn't say I'm sorry like about your dad nothing he just oh, wow. said this is Julie the back window go- goes down there's Uh, like I think three of the daughters there's four there were four daughters in their family but I think a few of them were (laughs) in the back and the window goes down and I see this like giant smile and this wavy hair sorry and that's how I met her it's like a movie Mm
0: -hmm. it's honestly like you retelling it's like a movie
2: Yeah. yeah and then that was it that's how we met and then um I kind of like moved into their house pretty much like her her parents just like took me in. Um, You know, it was very difficult uh, losing my dad. My mom was kind of in shock. Um, I had a sister away at college, another sister that was going to college. There was like an age gap of five and seven years. And then I have a younger brother and I just didn't want to be in my house. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be home. Um, And you know, my mom was going through it and they just really, when I tell you she rescued me, she rescued me. Um, She was like, it was almost like, That we met the way that we met, but also just our friendship was so strong. I mean, I was, I have a joke that I was like the devil on this, on one shoulder, and she was the angel because I was always getting into trouble. Like, I was always bad. I was always the girl, like in my 20s, like dancing on the bar, trying to get all the attention from the boys. She was like, Megan, get down. Like, what are you doing? Like, I was always in trouble. I would be in like her car, like, we would go drive on road road trips and like I'm sorry if children are listening to this I hope they're not but I would be like flashing truckers like (laughs) out the window like I was bad we would have been great
0: mates I'm telling you no (laughs) 100% (laughs) yeah I've always been and I I would be the devil and the devil okay let's go
2: on a road trip I wouldn't do that anymore but I did when I was young um but she yeah she was like a mother in a lot of ways to me because I just my life was so effed up like you know like I my mom was kind of tapped out that's not really her fault she had her own stuff she was going through and it was just like 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 she was my everything that's what I'll say She was my everything I and still heard all these years later yeah, yeah
0: absolutely and yeah my heart goes out to you it's just devastating to lose that close bond as well. And um, you just, you mentioned that, you know, obviously your mum was going through a really hard time after the loss of your sister. And at the time when you met Julie, your mum had sort of remarried your stepfather who was mentally abusive towards you as well. We are so sorry that you had to go through through that. How did you cope and what was that time like?
2: It was very difficult. And like I went, it went from like, almost like a, like a house that was lit up with lights and like happy and like lots of laughing. And, you know, my parents were like the kind of parents that would like, like dance in the kitchen, like, <sighs> you know, like they were yeah. very in love. So it was like, that was just like taken, you know? And then my mom really to no fault of her own, was left, you know, my dad, thankfully, like, my mom was fine financially, um, but she was left with four kids, you know, and she happened to go to our club, and there was a man there, and he was, like, you know, wooing my mom, and, you know, um, buying her, like, expensive jewelry and like, you know, he was a pred, I, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. a predator and there's a show, a uh, Bravo. I don't know if you have Bravo in Australia, but, uh, it's a network and they did this whole thing called dirty John Mm -hmm. about this, like man that was like a predator and like went after a wealthy woman and like then ended up like, um, it was all a con. So my stepfather was like, I say the original dirty John, um, it was very hard it was very dark he was nice in the beginning and then he you know was a big drinker and he was physically abusive to my younger brother um i saw him try to strangle my brother this is how old i am i'm older than you guys we used to have like phone cords with the squiggly things he mm. took a phone cord when my brother wasn't listening one time and wrapped it around his neck um and he hated us he hated what we represented. He hated that we were my dad's kids. It was very hard. It was very hard living in that house. To be coping with the loss of your
1: dad and and, and then all of that on top. Do you think that you
2: kind of pushed your grief aside just to get through? Yes, a hundred percent. I did. And I know that now I think like I've said this before and I talk about this a lot. It's like it's almost like walking up a ladder you know like you don't have a choice when you're you lose somebody you just have to like continue to go up the ladder and sometimes people like you know you you zone out and you're just like going up this ladder and taking the steps but you really don't want to think about what's really happening and for me you know, I was an actress, like from the minute I came out, I had a stage name of Joanna. I'm also a gay man trapped in a woman's body. So <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Love it. Um, but like who has a stage name of Joanna when they're two? I did. Um, and so I would really like escape into like, you know, characters. And I did theater and saying from a really young age, that was, it was always like, I was kind of like not wanting to deal with reality, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And do you feel like there was a time where you sort of had to face reality where you really had to look at those parts of you that were perhaps running or pushing your grief aside?
2: Um, I think what happened was I had pushed everything down for so long and um, I just continued to like go through the motions and, you know, eventually I met my husband in my twenties and, and, and you know, I was in, I lived in Hollywood. I was trying to be become an actress and I was like a horrible cocktail waitress. So I was like doing all these things to try and escape. I had escaped like growing up in DC, moved, drove cross country by myself. Um, and it was like always escaping. And then I got, you know, married and I had two babies. So it was like, I was like, Oh, like then I'll do this and then I'll do that. And then I think what happened was I had this horrible friend breakup, like this person, like, you know, really did a number on me. And then I had a bunch of women that kind of like took sides, took her side and the pain of kind of being like left out and like being hurt like that, just from having so many abandonment issues stemming from my childhood just made, got me to the point, And I think we talked about this when you came on my podcast that I was, I couldn't go on anymore. Like I was literally like, I was a complete wreck. Like I had been working in a job, um, that was very high stress. And I started to have like severe, severe panic attacks where I thought I was dying in the middle of the night. And, um, and it was scary. It was like, almost like a refrigerator running, like, and then you know how they, sh- uh, like, it shuts down and you go, like, I can't explain it, but that's what was happening to me. And um, yeah, it all came to a boiling point, probably like three, two and a half, three years ago. And I was sitting on the beach because I love the beach. It's my happy place. I live at the beach. And I was watching my two daughters swimming and like on the shore. And I just was like, I'm done. I mean, I don't want to go mm. on. And I know that this could be triggering for you. Um, M, so I'm sorry, but it was, Don't a be very- sorry at
0: all. I mean, part of yeah. me wants to know more, I guess, uh, you know, one of the big questions I sort of had with my mom was like what was going through her head at the time what did that feel like was she thinking about anything or nothing like I've obviously had suicidal ideation as well but I didn't get to that point where it was you know it could have been an option it was just something that I thought about so part of me is yeah is just I don't know if that would help to know a little bit about what that yeah what that felt like well
2: well, I'll say this Um, I realized at that moment that, cause it was like, for me, a struggle of like a good six months to like eight months where I couldn't think about anything else except mm-hmm. for not being here. Mm-hmm. Like at night I'm talking about specifically. And I, and I, I just, when that day was like kind of the day where I went, okay, like I need to like get help. I need to, I need to like go on something. And I kind of caught myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer, f- sorry for the long-winded answer, but what I found is at least for me, and I think from just doing this podcast for a couple years is that it's always going to come back around. And that's the thing. If you don't deal with your trauma or your grief, you can push it down all day long. You can drink, you can do like smoke weed, you can, you know, go to dancing on bars, you can do whatever it is to push all of that down, but it's always, it's always going to rear its head. And so that's in my case, how it happened. And it was very scary to be in that place, which was so dark that I never, if you would have told me that like even five years ago, I wouldn't have believed you that I could have felt that way, but I did.
1: And I think the the, the grief of, of breaking up with a friend as well can be absolutely huge. It's something that people don't necessarily talk about in terms of grief. They think about when someone dies, but also, you know, massive changes in our friendship and support circle that can bring on huge, huge amounts of
2: grief. Yeah, I think what it is, is I've always been a a girl's girl. Like I've always had lots of friends. Like I'm still friends with all my friends, most of my friends from childhood, college. Um, I never, I've had like drama with girls. We all have, you know, but I've never like really encountered like something that was so hurtful and mean. And then I think like in my case, because I had, I was spoiled. I had had such like good, like great friends that were like, you know, willing to do whatever that I think I put too many expectations maybe on other people um, to, to kind of, I was kind of, to be honest with you, looking for another Julie, cause my heart mm. was broken. You know, my heart is broken. My heart will never be fully healed from it. And that's so. the
0: thing, grief, you know, it stays with you and it changes. And I just want to say, yeah. Megan, you are absolutely incredible and you've been through hell and back and you are sitting here today. So inspirational and I'm not going to say strong because you didn't have a choice there, but it's, <laughs> it's just amazing to see where you've taken yourself through everything that you've been through. And it's just, yeah, I just want to give you a big bloody hug through the. Through the zoom. No,
2: I'm cut. Com- Don't worry, guys. I'm coming to Australia. I'll be there <laughs> soon. No, I'm joking. Um, you know what it is, is like, you know, that you say that, but I think of you both. And I have thought of you both, like since we recorded a few weeks ago. Like we all are given these like things that we have to go through, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what people in Ukraine are going through. Or like, look at like, you know, like th- there's every they're not everybody goes through the amount of trauma that you or I have gone through but you know it's it there's it's part of life and we'll never know like why we were chosen to go through this amount of trauma Mm. but I will tell you that um I'm I I, this is going to sound really obnoxious but I I didn't really like myself like a few years ago um I, I don't think I was like that nice of a person. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I wasn't nice, but I was like really wrapped up in the wrong things. You know, mm-hmm. like I was wrapped up in, and I still am like in my appearance and like having the right bag and I still love bags and shoes, don't get me wrong, but it was just all about my outward appearance because I didn't really wanna like own up to the fact that I really had work to do on my inner self Mm -hmm. And now it's like talking to me and like having gone through like hell and back with that like friend situation. I, I like, I can actually be like, okay, like at night I can rest my head on my pillow and be like, I did okay today. Like not every day. Do I do okay. You know, Mm -hmm. I give people the burden in traffic, like at least once a day, (laughs) but the second half of the day do okay. (laughs)
1: Okay, let's pause for a moment to talk about today's sponsor, National Not For Profit Griefline, and their new Griefline Knowledge Service, which aims to provide grief literacy education and training for individuals, workplaces, schools, and community groups, so you can get to know grief to better support yourself. And others. And whether you're supporting someone grieving or navigating loss yourself, I think we could all do with being a little bit more grief informed, couldn't we, Im?
0: Absolutely. Guys, these new evidence based courses and workshops draw on Griefline's decades of experience supporting Australians through all forms of grief and loss. Grief Knowledge Program themes include cultivating a grief-informed workplace, addressing loneliness and social isolation triggered by grief, which is a big one for a lot of us, how to support a grieving friend, advanced grief theories for a professional therapists, and workplace bereavement support groups.
1: And as part of the GriefLine knowledge program, we've actually partnered with GriefLine to create a joint free ebook resource on how to support a grieving friend where you can learn how to support and confidently interact with others experiencing grief, loss and loneliness. And you can find it on their website or via the link in the show notes.
0: I feel like um, everyone needs one of these ebooks. <laughs> Give
1: them to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll need to get more people knowing how to support people. And plus, if you're grieving yourself, Griefline Knowledge has coping strategies and self-care routines to promote physical, emotional, and mental well-being, which are all things that we need when we're feeling griefy.
0: For more information on the new Griefline Knowledge service, visit
1: knowledge.griefline.org.au. Now back to the show. Grief sort of cracks you open in a way, grief and trauma, and it really does make you look inside a little bit and it makes you, I think it makes you reassess the things that you value in life and the kind of people that you want in your life as well. But it does make you look inwards, absolutely, and it's definitely done the same for us, hasn't it, In? It has, and I'm just thinking back to, I think it was so similar in,
0: in many ways, Megan, and I think back to times when I was sort of off the rails a bit and I didn't like myself. And I think a lot of it was stemming just from being in pain and, and I had quite a complicated upbringing. I, I hadn't experienced like severe grief like I am now at a young age, but there were other things going on. And yeah, it's just that that feeling of just like low confidence and low self esteem and it can make you do things that you wouldn't necessarily do and i think after having experienced loss it's it's really kind of made me come into myself in a way that i never have before and mm-hmm. you need to the thing i think when you're grieving is you need to give yourself exactly what you need to be okay and you have to learn exactly what that is and it doesn't happen until you've been through massive pain. I think, am I rambling? I don't know if in, that even made no, sense. No, you're but- not
2: rambling at all. You're completely, <laughs> I think you're right. And I think that like, you know, um, loss is a blessing and a curse. Mm. There, it's And I when I say it's a blessing, like I'm still trying to figure out like really what the blessing is behind it, except the blessing that I've learned, that I know today is that um, Julie would be proud of me. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. I'm so sorry. I'm so emotional. today <laughs> You're
0: making me cry too, but I cried on your podcast. Yeah. So it's so fun. Okay, so
2: we're even. <laughs> um, but I don't think, I don't think if I know she wasn't a few years ago. And I really believe she's with me a lot. And in some mm-hmm. ways, I feel like she was kind of like, Megan, why are you friends with those duddy girls? Like, give me a break. Like, you, this isn't you. And I was in the friendships that I was with in that particular group. It was not like now the people I'm friends with or my friends from growing up. Like we're like real, like we talk about real stuff. And mm-hmm. it was always like, where are you vacationing? What mm-hmm. are you wearing? Like it was just stupid, like surface stupid stuff, stuff. All shallow surface. stuff. Yeah, all shallow. And I and and I found myself like you know, I was really catty and like talking about people, like all that stuff. And that's Mm. not really who I am, you know? So I think that she like, I I like to believe like is proud of me now, you know?
1: I just want to circle back for a minute on Julie and you know what happened when I was listening to your story I could really relate because I know that it was very sudden you know it was obviously unexpected it all happened very quickly and you had to fly across the country which I can relate to because I had to fly across the world when my mum died and you know you're in this state of shock and you don't know what's going on you're trying to scramble and keep your shit together then you've got to board a flight and it's just like yeah it's just it was like a dreamlike state, isn't it? When you're in that situation. A hundred percent.
2: And I'm sorry that you had, cause it, unless you've gone through like something like that, it's hard to understand what it's like, but you know, getting a phone call from my other best friend from growing up saying like, get on a plane, she's brain dead. And, you know, and at that point I was, you know, like still like cocktail waitressing i think maybe i had my first sales job who knows but i know i was like what you want me to like just leave and get on a plane i was in shock and i didn't believe it like i didn't think it was true Mm -hmm. and um and the flight attendant looked at me when i got on the plane and lo- just looked at me and gave me bottles of vodka. So either they think I'm, they've like targeted me and know that I enjoy vodka, martinis, or they just, this is a joke. They just knew they were like, this girl is a wreck. And just flying cross country, getting to the hospital with the clothes that I was flying in, um, finding my friend's mom in the lobby saying, you need to go upstairs to say goodbye you know, and then walking into a room and seeing your very best friend, like on a table. And then you just are left in this room and you have to say, you know, I had to see her like that. I, had to, I remember in my head, I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to forget. And mm-hmm. when I saw my dad the last time, sorry for the graphic detail, but my dad was in a casket cause I'm Irish Catholic and I don't know why they still have open caskets, but they do. Um, you, that was, it. I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking in my head, remember something like good, like don't remember like her face or what she looks like or anything. And so I remembered, I looked at her toes and she had just told me she had a pedicure Like right before she went into the hospital. And we were laughing about it because she was so pregnant she couldn't see her feet. (laughs) And so I remember the color of her toenails. That's what I remember. And it like it gives me like it gives me like peace in a weird way. Sometimes I like wear that tone that color. Mm. And um yeah. So it's like I didn't, it was, but it was awful. It was awful. Mm. And you understand, Sal, like what that's like it's awful
1: it it really is and you're yeah you're not prepared to be getting on a flight and dealing with such a confronting and awful thing and it's really interesting that you say that you know when you saw your dad like you know that was really sort of Um, vivid for you in your mind for a long time because I had to make the decision to whether I wanted to see my mum or not and obviously you don't have long to make that decision whether you want to see the body Um, and I was really torn as to what to do and I decided not to because in my mind I was like I don't want that to be the last memory that I have of her and I re- I'm really glad that I didn't do that because I think it can be really difficult if it's, you know, yeah. such a traumatic thing to go and see, and then it's in your mind, and yeah, it's it's so so confronting. And. We have a lot of listeners, Megan, who have lost friends and who find it really hard to cope when they feel like their loss is downplayed or not recognized. And it's just not right as we sort of discussed it. You know, it shouldn't be the case at all because friends are like family, you know? Um, And for, for you, Julie was like your sister. Do you have any advice for anyone that's coping with the loss of a friend? Like, was there anything that you did to kind of help, like whether that's connecting with Julie or anything that really helped you sort of
2: process the loss? Um, God, I, you know, for me, I wasn't ready to deal with the loss. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I didn't really deal with any of my loss until the past few years, I think mm-hmm. really at the time I remember thinking uh like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her a lot I'm gonna change I'm gonna become a better person because the thing about Julie was she when I tell you like she was a saint she really was like she was the kind of person that was kind like you will never meet a person that says a bad thing about her and I am not that the same. Like there's a lot of people that do not like Megan judge. (laughs) She, everybody liked her. Everybody liked her. She was a good, good human. And she was kind and funny. And like, there were so many amazing things about her. And so I said to myself when she passed, I am going to be a better person. I am going to like go to church, you know, I'm going to like start going to church again, like all the things that you say to yourself, if you grew up with Catholic guilt, like I did. Um, And then I kind of like pushed it away, like I said, and I was like, I'll deal with this later. And then I never did. And then I did when I had to, you know.
0: You mentioned earlier about um, like loss being a bit of a, blessing and a curse and I think we can all relate to that but because we've gone on to do something that sort of changed the trajectory of our lives and in some ways it's in honor of them and it's sort of making meaning out of all the shit that's happened to us like do you think the podcast and having those conversations and just having that yeah to focus on it has helped you?
2: Oh my God. Like, I don't know if I told you both this, but like when I started the podcast, I was at my lowest, lowest point. I was in therapy. My therapist, who's amazing, um, was like, you you were creative for your whole half of your first half of your life, like singing and doing plays. Like you need to do something creative again. Were you too?
0: This we is, both
2: were, weren't this, we? Yeah. And oh, so my and gosh.
0: I, like, we've said That's this so before, funny. that we've, you know, we had good careers before this. I was working in TV production, sales, has a successful career in PR. We were always super creative, drama, art, dancing, singing, all uh-huh. the things, but we never felt fulfilled. Mm, and it was yes. almost like we needed to be doing something super meaningful in our lives with our, you know, creative talents To feel like, yeah, I don't know, and I just think, you know, it's so awful how we all ended up doing this, but it's also brought us so much meaning and, yeah, uh, this is wow, and
2: joy, yeah, just meeting fulfillment, yes. So, like when I tell you, like when I met you both, it's it's like after you interview, I'm sure, I hope you both feel this way when you after you interview me, but I am like oh my God, like, I love these people. Like there's a reason why I'm here and I'm supposed to be doing this. And so it's really like selfishly, like something I'm like, thank you. Like I didn't think I would ever be creative again. Mm. And so for me to be creative again, and then today I interviewed somebody because I did mine this morning and she lost her son to, to suicide. And so a big passion of mine is like dealing with like suicide prevention and, um, and, you know, telling my story to hopefully share with other people. So they understand that there's a way out and that you need to keep going. Mm -hmm. I say that all the time. And, um, and after I recorded with her, it was like, Oh my gosh, like we're supposed to know each other. And like, this is like some, like God or whatever you believe in something is like putting us together. And it's, so it's, it's so meaningful to me and I love it. I'm so grateful that I do what I, that I'm doing what I'm doing right now. You're doing a very good job. And, (laughs) and on that kind of, on the note of
1: meaning and serendipity and all of the, all of the things like us you love a good sign and we spoke about this when we came on your pod about you know sort of connecting with the other side and we are all all here for it we love it so Mm -hmm. i would love to know about the signs that you receive from
2: julie do you have any like absolutely amazing ones Um, I do. And part, if you like look on the cover of my podcast, you'll see a butterfly. So some people are probably like, oh my gosh, she has a butterfly on the cover of her podcast. Who is she? Mariah Carey. No, I'm not. (laughs) But um, I like, it's because for me, that's my sign. So anytime I see a monarch butterfly, Um, I know she's with me. There's been so many instances, like when I was even a few years ago, one day I was walking and it was like one of my really bad, bad days. And I'm no exaggeration, a monarch butterfly followed me like, for like, like what seemed like a mile up a hill. And just was like following me. And I was a, the crazy lady talking to the monarch butterfly. <laughs> thinking It was Julie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's my sign. And, and sometimes I'll, there's been times where I've even like been in my car and driving and pretending like she's in the front seat and I'll just like have a conversation. I don't know if that's ever happened to you both, but yeah, there's, I, I really feel her presence. Whereas if- I don't feel my dad's I feel like he's you know up in heaven like this is just what I believe like you know uh, like having his gin and tonic like playing golf (laughs) whatever he's doing and my sister is my angel you know she's with me but I don't remember her soul so that you know but with Julie I really feel like there's so many moments where I feel like she's so close to me you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. And butterflies aren't weird at all as a sign. I think they're a very spiritual sign and also my sign for my mum. So that's special. Oh, it
2: is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. her name's
0: Vanessa, which is of Greek origin, which means butterfly. And, um, but we talked about it while she was still alive. Like I was a dragonfly to her and she was a butterfly. And um, there was just one amazing, time when we so when we had the funeral for my mom I wasn't present at all obviously it was so sudden and traumatic I just was yeah. like I don't even yeah. want to go what is yeah. what is happening and then about 10 months later we had a memorial tree planting ceremony at my mom's friend's property and we all walked up there's quite a few of us we all walked up to this kind of opening where we were about to plant the tree and we had butterfly clips on us, like butterfly clips in our hair and, and all sorts of things like that, because it was such a symbol symbol for us. And as we walked up there, there was hundreds of butterflies swirling around where we were about to plant the tree. And we literally like just stopped frozen. We're like, she's here, you know, and just that knowing and it's like... This, it's her
2: because that, that doesn't that doesn't just happen no it doesn't no. just happen there's I've not. never like, seen
0: hundreds
1: of butterflies ever no. like
0: no we no. just looked up and we're like she's here you know and it's just that rush of just a bit of peace and comfort well and- you
2: also have to know that even though we can't see them anymore right and that's the sucky part I believe and I know that they're here it's just mm-hmm. like you want to be like And, and I joke sometimes I'm like, do I really want to see her? Do I really want to like wake up and have her like sitting at the foot of my bed? That would be really scary, but, but they are, they're a hundred percent with us. There's too many signs in life like that, that I've heard from doing this for a few years where I always ask people signs and the stories that I've heard are just insane. And that's Mm -hmm. one of them. There's no way that would happen if she didn't if she wasn't there and she didn't have something to do with it Mm, you know no such thing as a
0: coincidence and thanks for making me cry again megan we've absolutely (laughs) loved chatting to you and where can our listeners find you um
2: well i've loved talking to you both i just adore you both um my my podcast is called judging megan And you can find everything's judging Megan. So my Facebook group is judging Megan and my Instagram is at judging Megan. And and Megan is spelled the proper way, which is M-E-G-H-A-N. And I was the original princess, by the way. I'm just gonna (laughs) throw that out there.
1: Megan Judge thank you so much. What a treat to talk to you. We absolutely love you. We're going to have to get together at some point, aren't we?
2: Steph-O. I, I like adore you both. I'll be there. I'll be there in a few days because you're a day ahead of us. in Yeah. The States, See right? you tomorrow.
0: Okay. okay.
2: Thank you both again.
0: What an amazing lady. I just feel so lucky to be doing this work and connecting with such like minded and lovely people, not just as podcast guests, but you know, newfound friends as well. We'll have
1: to get her over, won't we? Get her over to Oz. Hundred percent incredible, lady. Absolutely loved, love her. And um, guys, before we go, thank you to today's sponsor, Grief Line. If you are struggling and need some extra
0: support, you can call Grief Line's national toll free helpline on one 1300- 845745 or visit griefline.org.au to access their griefline knowledge program and support services which are detailed in the show notes. Until
1: next time guys, toodaloo.